Hello and welcome to Mies on Smash, a new weekly podcast where we have unique writers and comedians on to flesh out a hypothetical Super Smash Brothers cinematic universe. I'm Simon Lewis Ong. I'm Pete Simmons Hayes. And basically, we are huge Smash Brothers fans. We're huge Nintendo fans. And all we've been doing for four years is like pitching to each other a Smash Brothers cinematic universe. And then we decided, let's just do a podcast about it. Why not? It's like Hollywood has cinematic universe fever, but Nintendo's been left out of all the fun, given that Nintendo has sort of the largest crossover in history with Super Smash Brothers. We thought it was kind of a, a waste that they, they haven't gotten in on the fun. So that's where we're coming in. And we, we have some personal connections to Smash. We both have tried independently of each other to like make original Smash content. When I was 11 years old, I made something called Smash University, which was, I don't know if you know what a machinima is, but basically it's like putting your camera up to Smash Brothers the game and like having people talk over the characters. And is it was that how it works? Is that literally okay. how it worked? Like you had a That's camera? That's a very, TV? you could use a capture card. I used a capture card, but I'm okay. just like really simplifying it. Basically it was Toon Link and Ness and they go to college together and the principal's snake because I didn't know that a headmaster was a thing because I was 11. <laughs> yeah, and in the summer between my sophomore and junior year of high school, while I had pneumonia for the whole summer, I took that opportunity to write a 120-page feature screenplay adaptation of The Legend of Zelda, specifically just the 1986 NES version of Zelda. Nothing from any of the sequels because the idea was that each summer I was going to write a screenplay for each subsequent film. That never ended up happening. I did do an outline for Zelda 2, but I do have the final product, the 120-page Legend of Zelda screenplay, and I was going to do 17 or however many sequels to it. And that was the first script writing I ever did in my life. That is fucking <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> here I am I... many years later. I have to admit, I've read that script, and my favorite thing about that script is, you didn't intend this, but Link has this Bokoblin friend. He's just a friend, according to Simon, but they have the most beautiful, romantic, deep relationship I've ever read in a script. I'm not even playing this up. Like, it's beautiful, So the, I think the, about it a lot. The biggest problem with The Legend of Zelda, the NES version, is that there aren't a lot of characters in it. So I had to create characters, which led to the creation of Bagu, a Bacoblin. And <laughs> Bagu! I, <laughs> I suppose <laughs> I, I, I inadvertently created a, a gay romance between Link and Bagu, which I'm all for, but I didn't know I was doing that at the time. So it's, if I'm nothing, if not subversive. <laughs> So, you know, you know the Avengers, right? Like how you don't start with the Avengers. You start with like Iron Man. You start with the Captain America movie. We're basically doing the same thing. Every week, we're going to have a different writer or comedian come on the podcast and they're going to pitch a movie, miniseries, comic, any sort of story for one of the characters in Smash Brothers. Anyone can come on. Any writer or comedian can come on. They can know as little or as much about the game as possible. They could be adapting a game that they know really well and have loved their whole life, or they could not really be a gamer and we'll have given them a game a week beforehand and they'll have a week to research it and just they'll be flying completely blind. And they can, t they can take the pitch as seriously or as silly as they want to, but there's only one rule. 
anything that's pitched to us becomes canon in our cinematic universe. So when we have to connect all of these stories together to have it make sense, we can't change anything. We can add some stuff, but we can't change any of the things that's actually pitched. So that's right. the hard part. We can retcon, but we can't contradict with our retcons. The, the general rule of thumb, like we can bend over backwards to make the canon work, but the general rule of thumb is that if the X-Men franchise got away with it and people were still putting their butts <laughs> in movie seats, then we can get away with it in our timeline too because they got up to some shady stuff in that franchise. So That's the rule. And for yeah. anyone asking, we're going to be doing this for all the games. So not just the first Smash Brothers, we're going to be going all the way to Ultimate. So that's that's like over 40 franchises or something like that. It's crazy. I, I counted it out today. And if you count the Miis as their own franchise, it's 39 possible franchises. Oh my um, God. And so yes, a, we are doing sequel games. So and, like and if someone sequel games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So someone can do a Mario, but then someone can do a Mario too. It's yeah. that sort of deal. Yeah. So without further ado, our first inaugural episode, we are today talking about the iconic Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. We thought it would be a good first episode because it's one of the most influential video games of all time. It changed the Zelda series as we know it. And from a storytelling perspective, it really broke some new ground. So we've invited our very special friend, Kyle Ryan, to pitch us Ocarina of Time. But let me tell you a little bit about Kyle. Choose your character. Kyle Ryan is a writer and producer. After working for The Daily Show in NYC, he moved to LA to produce the Tiny Meat Gang podcast, which currently ranks as Spotify's seventh most popular comedy podcast. He writes stories featuring small worlds and big ideas, and most recently, he was recognized by the Austin Film Festival for his TV pilot script. Please welcome Kyle Ryan. Hey guys, how we doing? How we doing? Hi, Kyle. We're doing great, Kyle. Good. I'm excited to be here. I'm ready to talk Link, ready to talk Zelda, ready to mispronounce most words. Have you ever played Ocarina of Time? I have not, but quick follow-up before anybody gets angry at me. I did, in the last two days, watch an eight and a half hour playthrough of it, so I feel like it's part of me now. No one's allowed to get mad at Kyle, because we played Ocarina of Time and we invited him here to do this so the reason we chose Kyle for this first episode is Kyle he's written more scripts than anyone I know and if we had to assign someone a fake movie (laughs) to write in a week we're like Kyle (laughs) that'd be good Story. All right, Kyle, we're going to let you take it away. Just for, for viewers, obviously this is our first episode. We'll interject with our thoughts and, and ideas as Kyle goes. Yes, please uh, walk us through the story. Okay, so just to start it, I was doing research. They said it was a samurai, like they were approaching it as a samurai movie. And that really got me thinking, what is the one other samurai time travel series we have going right now? Samurai Jack. So just have that in your mind. Okay, we're just gonna go. Opening image. We start with something we will see further down the road. Ganondorf is chasing after Zelda on horseback. There's a dramatic collision. Dirt kicks up into the camera and we smash to black. This black slowly fades to white and we realize we're soaring over Hyrule. We're just seeing all the beautiful stuff that we will see. And then we go into Kokiri Forest? Yes, is that how we're pronouncing it? I've always pronounced it Kokiri. I think Kokiri? it's Kokiri. 
Kokiri. Okay, so we see the Kokiri forest. Sounds it's beautiful. <laughs> Lush garden life. We see everybody with a fairy over their shoulder. It's beautiful, bright, and then we keep going, keep going. We go to a small tree house. We look inside and we see Link, an 11-year-old boy. Nothing fascinating about him except that he does not have a fairy. He's the only person we have seen so far that does not have a fairy. We just think he's just this boring old boy. And then there's a sound on the window. And we think it's like this thing that has been our POV so far. And we realize it's Saria. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's Pronounced right. Correctly? That's always how I've said yep. it. Yep. On a roll here. And she's like, hey, let's go explore this grand forest that we love so much. And it's great. It's like a Pixar movie. We're just having a great time. It's beautiful. And then finally, I think Link has been waiting for this entire life because he's just been in Kokiri Forest looking at other people with fairies. And he just thinks he's like, he's kind of down on himself. Mm-hmm. But then finally, he gets a fairy of his own, Navi, comes to him and he's like, hey, we got to go see the great Deku tree. And then we go and see the great Deku tree ourselves. And then this is also, I watched every single cutscene from Ocarina of Time. That's a lot. And 45 minutes of it, like, which is half of it is in the first hour of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> so here we basically learn, like we have our origin story of Hyrule. We have all the gods coming together, mm-hmm. but we don't really pay attention to that because we're like, oh, this great tree over here is dying. It is the one thing we have seen so far that just life is being sapped out of it. It just looks really depressing and it like kind of jars us so far because right. it's just been so bright and beautiful. Yeah, so for, for non- for people who don't know the game, like the the Kokiri, they're like forest spirits, and they're like children who live in the forest, and they worship this giant tree with a face. Yeah, <laughs> it's a giant tree with yeah. a mustache and he's the great Deku mustache. tree. He's got a big old Mario mustache, um, and he's dying. Yeah. yeah. Quick, quick question, Kyle, just because I'm really curious. Yes. In your in your rules for this movie, does Link talk? I was gonna yes. ask the same question because okay. I've, I've wrestled with this question before, too. Can't, I can't. He has to talk. Cannot talk. He's got to be insane. Right? Okay. Well, how much does he talk? Is it like a drive okay. situation where it's Not like Ryan? Not, Not a lot. Not a lot. I think like 1970s action star who doesn't say much, but he's just swinging his blade looking really cool. Okay. We know one-liners because he's like 18. He's not cool I think, enough for one I think with Link, that work. I think Link talking even a little bit like it works and you can believe it i think later that is like the talking question of characters who don't talk is something we're gonna like have to really address with like okay because oh what does mario sound like speaking full sentences oh i read that you know you've seen the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah bob hoskins the bob hoskins and and uh Leguizamo, John Leguizamo movie. That's... We've seen the movie, but we haven't written the movie. Kyle, okay. continue. Right. Sorry, they, they, we hit going some to spark. The no, okay, so we're at the dying talking tree. Okay. And then here we learn about the Triforce, which is this mythical object that is stored in the sacred realm. Uh-huh. We don't learn a lot about it, but we just learn that Link has to get it to defeat this great mystical darkness that is going to envelop the land. A vague like, mystical darkness, yeah. Yeah, vague. And then in his dying gasp, he gives Link a precious stone, an emerald. He doesn't totally know what it is. He just knows it's important. He's, it's important. And then the tree fossilizes, and then, like, there's no more communication from the Great Deku Tree. Like, this great historic part of Kokiri Forest is now dead. And then Navi 
who I think, like, in the game is very annoying. Yeah. Like, even just from the playthrough, it's, like, it's just, like, telling you a lot of nonsense that's, like, not important. So I think in, throughout the story, we're going to have to try and give her, like, more character and life. And, like, she'll be, like, the talking parts that have, like, sass and character that, like, Link can't totally bring through. Do you still see her as, like, a little ball of light with wings? Or will she be a more traditional fairy? Because the Zelda series has has oscillated back and forth between how they depict their fairies. I love the little ball with the wings. Because, like, especially because it's there the entire time. Like, Mm -hmm. it's, like, it's not annoying. Like, it really feels like it's Navi is, like, part of the journey. And it's a more, I think it's a more unique interpretation of what fairies look like so that it doesn't look like, I, I, when when Zelda does fairies looking like fairies, they just look like Tinkerbell. Yeah. yeah. So, so true to Navi's name, because she is navigation. She right. Tells yeah, them, like, very clever. <laughs> like, they <laughs> they did not look into this at all. They were like, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, like, she's like, all right, we're going to Hyrule Castle. Okay. And, like, before he leaves, he meets with Saria one last time, and she gives him an ocarina, which, like, I don't totally know why. Like, it's a memento of their friendship, and, like, it's beautiful, and she, he says goodbye to her. I, I, have a, I, I have a note on this, too. So their relationship yeah. is, Saria and Link's relationship is, is their longtime friends. Like, Saria is Link's best. Yeah, she is kind of, like, what ties, like, when he thinks of Kokiri Forest, like, he thinks of her. Okay. Like he never had his fairy. He was never part of like the clan. But I she, like, like that. I I like that interpretation right. a lot. I've always gotten a weird vibe from their relationship in the game because there's the one cut the the cutscene you're talking about where she gives him the ocarina. If you go back and rewatch it, Link the body language Link gives off in that uh, cutscene. Okay. He like he's like he gets the ocarina and then he takes like two awkward steps backwards and then runs away like he's afraid of her and I've always thought that was really weird. <laughs> and I think she like looks at him go in like yeah, a longing way. Yeah, I think uh, okay. it's supposed to spoilers be spoilers for the future, but any of that tension that you want Rutu, if that's how you pronounce her name, Rudo in that heat. Yeah, okay. Rudo. Okay. That's okay. Her. I was going to say because one thing about Ocarina of Time and much of the later Zelda games is Link Fox, you can ship him realistically with most of the female characters in those games and you wouldn't be wrong. For this movie, you kind of have to make a choice if you're if you're going to have romance at all. For me, it's a no. Like, it's like, he is very, like, I had to think about it in terms of the Avengers and I had to, like, come to terms with, like, Iron Man versus Captain America. And I think Link is, like, classically a Captain America. Like, he wants to return back to, like, what he was beforehand when nothing was a problem. And, like, the female entanglement, like, is not part of that. Okay, so has the stone. He's going to Hyrule. He sees the castle. He's like, of course, that's where I have to go. But he's not allowed admittance because, like, he is constantly reminded that he is a kid. That, like, wherever he goes, everybody just doesn't take him seriously. He is an 11-year-old, and that is, like, a fact. Like, he's not one of these 11-year-olds who can do crazy things and is, like, incredibly talented. Like, he's an 11-year-old who can pick up a sword and can kind of swing it. Like, he wants to be a hero, but, like, everybody can tell that he is playing it. Yeah. So, like, oh, you can't come into the castle. Like, of course not. You're an 11-year-old. But then, because he knows he has to get in there because of Navi, he sneaks in. And we see that he is, like, pretty competent in, like, these small tasks of just, like, sneaking around and, like, the things that remind you of, like, play. The things that you'd be good at 
as as a kid because he's basically playing hide and seek with these right he's like guards as he's going forest with the forest spirits he's pretty good like he probably has some stealth yeah yeah exactly so then he gets into the garden and he sees zelda she's in the royal garden and she's freaked out because of course she's like why is this kid here and then she sees the fairy and then that like relaxes her that like makes her realize where he's from and like what he's about Right, because the royal family, she, like, the royal, they, they trust the Kokiri. They're like guardians of the forest. Yes. Gotcha. And because, like, she's also so young, all she knows about the people from the forest is that they have an emerald. And it's very important to, like, the kingdom and what, <laughs> like, protects them. Yeah. So she instantly right. asks, like, this is the first Kokiri person she has met. And she's like, do you have the emerald? She <laughs> 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 racially profiles him. Yeah. Right off the yes. bat. It and works. the worst thing is, <laughs> she is correct. He does have that emerald. <laughs> she's like, I had a prophecy. And he's like, yeah, you nailed it. I have it. <laughs> and she's like, okay, great. That's how you get into the sacred realm where the Triforce is. And here we learn a little bit more about the Triforce and how like the three different parts of it are power, courage, and wisdom. Okay. And those were the gods that created Hyrule. Yeah, Faroar... Din and 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 Nehru. Uh, yeah. Is yep. You got it. Hey, yo. Wow. Right off the noggin. Impressed. That's the noggin. It's almost like you wrote a hundred and twenty. It's almost like I immersed my adolescence in this franchise. The only Zelda name I remember is Bagoo. <laughs> Fun fact: Bagoo's name actually comes from Zelda Two. There's a there's a character in one of the houses that's Bagoo, and he's just a human. But I, I that's where I got the hey. name. Oh, okay. All right, Kyle, just one question for you. So with, um, I understand that he's a kid and all that, but one yeah. thing that like he gets from the great Deku Tree, tree <laughs> and maybe some other place is he, he does get items and stuff like that. Like he gets like items and stuff like that. Like he gets like the slingshot. Are you going to address these items or like, what's your thought process? Okay, on that? this is genuinely one of the things that I had a hard time with because he has 15 like it is every single like temple or cave he goes into yeah. he gets an item yeah he gets a I lot i think that's something you kind of have to break down as you go can i have a i have a pitch oh yes here we go okay so a slight spoiler alert for later on in your pitch but i know time travel's coming and he's gonna become adult link what if the item issue is addressed where he's until he's adult before he's adult link he's just a kid and it's that goes into your theme of like growing up and he he really is a kid for that whole time but once he's adult link and shit's getting real then there's like a there's just like a uh suiting up montage and he gets all, all no, of his in a montage like <laughs> i like he doesn't have a sword until i think he pulls the master sword okay He's still just oh. using, like, Deku sticks and stuff until then? I think, like, Zelda's, like, here just potentially brings up, like, hey, you need a sword for this, and he's just, like, maybe not, like, he's like, I know how to use it, but that's not, like, like a what wooden I... sword, maybe. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny if he just has that stick you pick up when you, like, beat yeah, like, the plants. Yeah, <laughs> 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 yeah, but, but I think that could work. I honestly think... I think that could work, too. Otherwise, I think that works. Especially I if he's, like, a crafty kid. Yeah. yeah, like, he, like, does a lot with this slingshot. Like He's, he's, big on the, he's slingshot. the Home Alone kid with a conscience, I think, is what we should... <laughs> how we should think of young things. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so from Zelda, we learned that there is, like, this dark, evil man that she has seen in her dreams, 
and he is just roaming like throughout the castle mm-hmm. and we like we peek through like the curtains basically and we see we see this man that she's talking about and then, like she's like this man is trying to get the triforce and we cannot let him get them and here's what you need to do you need to go out and get these two other stones that along with the emerald will open up the sacred realm which is where the triforce is so they're gonna beat him to the punch before this dark evil man can get the triforce uh-huh. these two 11 year olds are gonna get it for themselves and okay. high off of that plan link's just loving it feels so important he's part of this grand adventure now yeah he, he went from from kid in the forest to confidant to royalty Okay, good. Yeah. You like totally addressed what I was gonna ask. Why? Why does Link go accept this call to action? Like he wanted his fairy, he got his fairy, and now he's gonna save the world. Exactly. It starts with him dreaming about this grand adventure of this woman on a horse being attacked by this grand evil man, and then he is like thrown into that exact adventure. Right. I mean, and it's a, and it's another another spoiler alert here. He, like, Link's not actually Kokiri. Like, he was adopted by the forest people. He doesn't belong there. So I feel like he, like, longing to... Yeah. and that's, like, not even a spoiler, because Saria is, like, pretty, like, straight with him. She's like, you're yeah. really cool, but, like, this isn't... <laughs> you're not quite one of us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as, he, as Link is leaving the castle, he runs into Impa, who is Zelda's protector. She is, like, this badass with knives. Like, think Angelina Jolie and Mr. and Mrs. Smith. She's great ninja yeah okay. more ninja yeah she is more ninja and then like she teaches him zelda's lullaby which is basically links i think we need like a great music coordinator on this on this movie because like the the ocarina is so pretty when it's played mm-hmm. and he learns zelda's lullaby which is basically like to show that he is connected to the royal family mm-hmm. and then impa yeah. is like the next stone is right over there at death mountain <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send this 11-year-old kid to Death Mountain. I'm a fierce ninja warrior who's employed by the royal uh, Hyrulean family. But this 11-year-old kid has got to go to Death it. Mountain. Don't worry. My boy's got a stick and a slingshot and a yeah. couple of songs. No, but as he's walking to Death Mountain, he stops in Kakariko Village. And there, as he's walking through the cemetery, like, again, like this kid is like being like reminded that death is like a real thing and he doesn't totally know how to like deal with it he sees the triforce on one of the cemetery signs he's like oh what's going on here and like his like he just as he's just sitting there relaxing and he's like what am i gonna do here he plays with his ocarina his new little toy and as he's fiddling it with it he hears like a crackling sound and he realizes as he keeps playing this like grave like opens up and as he looks down in it he finds like the iconic like link uh shield okay he gets oh, the, the hylian, hylian shield. shield yeah so it's like once again like showing like at this age like he's not really attacking he has his slingshot and he's like really trying to protect himself and get through the adventure sweet yeah so we get to death mountain and we meet darunia who is just going to be the ultimate bro <laughs> it's kind of like Gorons are and then like we realize that what he is doing is he is pulling up these bomb plants, chucking them into the air, and watching as they explode. He's just having a grand old time. Grand old time, and he's like, yeah, I'm the only one brave enough to come up here and like clear the path to like the entrance. So we follow him in, and as we're following him in, and he's just chucking bombs, he's telling us that there are rumors of the stone deep inside. So 
we're going he clears the path he chucks us in because it's like too far like the pro there's a problem with like the death mountain like there's just lava flowing like you can tell something's off like the like the sickness that was infecting the deku tree is also like affecting death mountain nice so, like on death's door exactly so like the people who like live there can go on. <laughs> i'm just laughing at how i know you guys can't see the camera but i've never seen simon so satisfied with himself <laughs> so death mountain is sick they're dying it's sad yes and he link dives in He's like, this is my adventure. He gets to the core. He defeats all the monsters. He cures the illness. Things are flowing again. But when he gets there, there's no stone. And he realizes as he's like cleared the passageway and like cleared the entrance, it's now also made it so that the volcano is erupting. And we think like Link's about to die. And then from the top, Darunia like rolls in a stone. Link gets on top of it. And he exits through the like the explosion, standing on top of the stone, riding on like surfing on the lava. Surfing on the lava. Oh, Honestly, that's pretty great because I think we need a couple more set pieces there just yes. to get us going. Like it's like yeah, there's always combat in these areas, but it's nothing big for him at this point. Are there any boss fights up to this point? I didn't totally know how to do the boss fights either, because like what like what does he fight here? It's like the big spinning machine. Uh, in um, Death Mountain, it's Dodongo. Like I thought at that point, like Death Mountain would be scary enough in it of itself, like as an enemy. Yeah. My favorite boss in Ocarina of Time is uh, Volvagia, the big fire dragon. In the fire temple? The fire temple. I was going to pitch maybe putting him in Death Mountain if we have Death Mountain. I don't know if we get to a fire temple later on in the pitch. So a fundamental problem in like writing video game movies is yeah. like when it comes to like rising tension, you can't just put boss after boss. Like that's right. not how dramatic exactly. stakes work. I think your instinct is right to not just like, you know, sprinkle in bosses. I think if we want to have a sense of danger and progression, like we kind of have to space that out more. Yeah. When I, when I wrote mine, I just picked two extra bosses in addition to Ganon and I just put them at the act breaks. Uh, oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, so he's escaped the mountain. He's cleared the way. Like, people can now enter it. And Darunia says, thank you so much for doing that. And he reveals that he has the stone. That he's basically the king of these people. And that, like, they can now live and breathe easy because he has done so much for them. And, like, he is now giving them, him, this sacred object, which is so important to them in thing. And they are forever brothers. Big on brotherhood. He, he says bro, I think, every line. Yes. Will will Darunia eat rocks? Yes. Love it. Again, people not familiar with the game here. The Gorons, they're like big rock people, and they eat rocks, and they love digging. <laughs> okay, so he's gotten he's gotten the the the, yes. big, the ruby from. Uh, and then he also says, "I've gotten this letter from the king of Zora's domain that the princess Rutu from Zora's domain has gone missing." And that they need For people help. unfamiliar with Zelda lore, the Zoras are fish people. That's all you need to know. Yeah, yes. and they're hot. <laughs> <laughs> like, not to, like, lead too much into the future, but they are kinky. Yeah. Like, every sentence is, like, a little steamy. <laughs> so we travel over there by boat. It's great. We learn a little bit more about, like, Navi, what she was doing when she was, like, before she was with Link. What was she doing? Well, because she was one of the only fairies who didn't have 
somebody like a boy to like a boy or girl to like live and grow up with like just as like link didn't have somebody navi did not have somebody as well okay and that's all we know about her like we don't like that's all she's willing to reveal like at this moment okay okay so it's you know like we're in the boat it's like the one quiet moment between them and then we reach the kingdom in zora's domain there's waterfalls everywhere and he says my daughter's disappeared but i know where she is the king says this he's he's she is inside jabu jabu <laughs> yes. and uh, who is jabu 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 is a giant sacred fish and he used to be such a good boy in terms of, in terms of dogs he was the greatest boy you'd call on him he'd come it was great but now in the last couple weeks just like death mountain just like the forest he's taken a turn for worst like in the past couple days Hate to say it, but he ate Princess Rutu. She's gone inside Jabu Jabu's belly. Oh man, you hate to see it. I gotta say, Kyle, I'm so relieved because I had a list of exactly two things that had to be in in this adaptation, no matter what. And top of the list is Jabu Jabu's belly. So, oh, Jabu Jabu is great, but also like Jab. Once okay, so we get to Jabu Jabu. Mm-hmm. He eats us. We're inside. And then pretty immediately, we find Princess Rutu. And we think okay. we've saved her, but she is immediately so sassy. She's basically like, well, we're here now. <laughs> so I have to find this thing I lost. And also, before you find that for me, you're also going to carry me. Yeah, she's not, like, she's not active about the search for this thing. She's like, I gotta, I'm not leaving without finding this thing, but I'm sitting at the spot and I'm not moving unless you physically move me. <laughs> yeah, so like I thought this would be like basically one of the more comedic moments where yeah. jellyfish are coming from everywhere. Like, okay, so basically the main enemy inside Jabu 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 are these like times ten jellyfish Electric that can like kill you with two yeah. stings. So basically Link is holding this girl above her head, above his head, trying to avoid these jellyfish, and then he looks down because his leg is stuck. And he realizes he's stuck in one of Jabu Jabu's intestines. And it flushes him down. (laughs) Oh, shit. Still holding her. They're now covered with goo. There's more and more jellyfish. They're going through more and more intestines. It's messy. It's gross. They're, like, barely escaping danger. And then right when they think they have found what she is looking for, which is, of course, the spiritual stone that, that is now blue because we're in the water world. (laughs) <laughs> right when we think we have found it, there descends from Jabu Jabu's belly the biggest jellyfish we have seen so far. This is basically Oof. our first boss. Nice. Because I love the jellyfish. The first big challenge for our little man. Yes. Oh, also, I forgot to say, also along the way, our boy has picked up a boomerang. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 So he's, he's, he's cool. up to a slingshot, a boomerang, and a stick. And a shield, and a shield. And, and a shield. shield, the Highland shield is very important. Okay. And he's been using yeah. the shield the whole time and just like in defensive mode. Okay. But he realizes here, like he's finally going to have to attack something inside of Jabu Jabu's belly. Like he's going to have to get violent. And like he immediately knows how to use the boomerang. He like, he just like, this it, is. Like, it's kind of like him with the ocarina. Like he just yeah. picks it up and he's like, yeah, it's, this is it's, me. It's his fate. Ring, how quickly do you think you could figure it out? Uh, it depends if it comes back or not. If it comes back, I know how to use it. I swear to God, I swear, I've seen Pete yeah. throw. <laughs> I definitely have thrown a boomerang. It's definitely a very Pete 
item to have. I'm surprised you don't have a boomerang. I think I do. It's right next to my harmonica. That's incredible. Okay. <laughs> so with the boomerang, he beats the jellyfish. Okay. It's great. And then, she, like, Zora, not Zora. Uh, Rudo? Yeah. Rudo. Okay, so she, like, reveals the stone, and she's like, I don't refer to this as a stone. I refer to this as my engagement ring. <laughs> wink, wink, wink. And she's given, okay, also, she's given all the vibes. Right. Wow. And they're both, yeah. they're both 11, right? They're yeah, both they're 11, there's 16 pixels on the screen, and they're but all these, seven. But, but the Zora culture is, is very different. I think they, they might marry young. They're fish. They probably have shorter lifespans, right? I don't know. <laughs> no, I don't no, no. know. Man. I can say. It. I can say. Nintendo, it. if you're listening to this, I need you to get back to me right now on the lifespan of Zoras. No, canon. These fish live long, great lives. Oh, really? Yep. I said it. You, that's the rules of this podcast. All okay. Right. They live. All right. Long. Okay. Okay. Perspective. <laughs> okay. So she gives him her engagement ring, the stone, and she basically whispers, and she whispers under her breath, "Don't tell my father." <laughs> and with that. We're out of there. We're like, we're 11. That's a little bit too much for us right now. Yeah. We don't want to live in that scene. Exactly. We're racing to Hyrule (laughs) Castle. And as we get there, we see the the scene from the very beginning of the movie. Link's dream. We see Zelda racing out on horseback. And we realize Impa is controlling the horse, getting her out of there. And then we see the man, like, who is in the castle from the dream, this dark, evil visage. And then we realized that the collision from the beginning wasn't Zelda and Ganondorf running into each other, but Link and Ganondorf running into each other. Oh, man. So this big collision allows Zelda and Impa to, like, escape, basically. Okay. And then uh, Ganondorf looks down, and he sees this punk 11-year-old, and he's just like, who do you think you are? Kneel to me. I'm the king now. And Link, of course, he thinks the hero, he's, he's the hero, like... He gets thunderbolted. Ganondorf can summon dark magic. Yeah. Yeah, the rules aren't immediately clear, but yeah. It's really not. And then he pulls, like, a bolt from the sky and hits you with it. Oh, also, forgot to mention this. As Zelda is running away on the horse, we see her throw an ocarina of her own. A blue one. Into the water. And then we get thunderbolted. And we wake up. Ganondorf is nowhere to be seen. Zelda is nowhere to be seen, but we still have our stones. We dive into the water, grab the ocarina, and then we go to the Temple of Time. Which is which okay. is in Hyrule Town near the castle. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's it looks like, like a big church. It's a big church. It's basically their church. For like an insanely like sacred place that should just be like so like hard to get to. It is just in the middle of the town. Okay, quick question. In a game, like, it announces that it's the Ocarina of Time when you pick it up. And, like, it yeah. says, go to Temple of Time. But, like, in movie rules, like, you don't really have that. Like, how does he know to go oh, to the Temple of Time? Perhaps say this. When he picks it up, he, like, kind of blacks out, and he gets, like, a prophecy from Zelda. Sweet. Nice. Nice, and, like, nice, nice. As, like, like, you know, like, everything's, like, kind of like that Harry Potter scene where everything's white and you just see, like, people kind of moving. In the seventh one where he dies. Oh, you mean when he's, like, with uh, Dumbledore? Yeah. So, basically, she tells him to go there to play this song. She teaches him how to play it. And then he goes there, plays this song, puts the stones in, and then he realizes that to get to the, like, the sacred realm, he has to pull this sword out of its altar. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Okay. As he gets there, he okay. pulls it. Like there's this big beam of light, and he realizes that behind him, also now being transported to the sacred realm, is Ganondorf. Ha! He's gotten played this whole time, like the oh, whole. Oh shit! Oh, this eleven-year-old like idiot was doing. So he was going. Okay, so he's going to the sacred realm, and Ganondorf followed him, and is going with him. Yes. Okay. But as okay. he's being transported there, Link just blacks out. There's nothing he can do. And when he wakes up, we're now in his POV. He's looking around. There's a sage there. And he's like, yeah, the Triforce is gone. It's disappeared. Oh, who's the sage? Do we know? I think Rauru so. Rauru like, is his name in the game, Kyle. His yeah. name is Rauru. Yeah, I didn't even write that one down because I knew he's there was. the most guy. boring of the sage. Yeah. Unless you <laughs> really <laughs> like the owl. I So far, oh. what I've got to say is I've really agreed with the decision to cut the owl. Kybera, yeah, Kybera. Owl is not going to be anywhere. He's That's okay. <laughs> I don't think anyone would fight you on having the owl. I am totally on board with cutting that owl. Rauru is the first sage. That you, there are seven sages, and he's the first sage you meet. Um, and, and you sort of realize that the whole time he's been this owl that's been following you around and basically telling you how to play the game. Um, yeah. He's basically just the tutorial telling you how to do stuff, and uh, I think it's a smart okay. cut to get rid of the. But owl. the owl is notorious for like at the end of him speaking, there's there's the option for him to tell you again what he just said, <laughs> and, and it always the the default the option is to click tell you again, <laughs> and so if you're a kid, you accidentally tell him to tell you again, and so you're stuck in this endless loop. In the sacred realm, we're looking at this sage, and here we learn that there are. Six sages, not seven, because hate to say it, one's getting cut for time. <laughs> and then he says that the hero to save them all has to be a man, that only a man can pull the sword. And then Link's like, I'm a kid, I can't do it. Like, I tried to do it, like, I tried only, to. Only an, only an adult. Yeah, only an adult. Only okay, an adult. Okay. And then he's saying, and Link's like, I can't do it, I'm 11. What do you mean? My favorite color is green. That's the only fact I know about myself. And yeah. then. We pull back from our POV, and we see that Link is an 18-year-old man now. In the sacred oh, realm, he's been asleep for seven years. Been asleep for he seven is, years. Since he pulled the sword, he had to wait until he was old enough to possess it. And so now that he's 18, the sage tells him that, boy, are things bad. The Triforce is gone. Up <laughs> seven years for Hyrule. Yes, but, like, if you get the sages together, we, we can maybe pull this together. So it's like he's not really sure what his mission is. And then he wakes back up, and then he sees this woman that looks a lot like Impa. But basically, she's wearing pink. So we're back now in the Temple of Time. Similar, a similar style of garb to Impa, but she's... Yes, we flash out of the spiritual world. We wake back up. covered, right, yeah. The Temple of Time, and there's this strange woman standing over us. And, like, it looks a lot like Impa. And, like, we basically think it's Impa, but not enough to, like, call the person out on it. She basically tries to get us on the right path. But instead of, like, going with her and, like, starting on this adventure, Link, as an 18-year-old, he's freaking out. He tries to return to the only place he's ever known. So he runs back to Kokiri Forest, and he gets in. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, like, as he's, like, running out of the temple, as the Temple of Time... That's when we realize, like, Ganondorf has taken over. We step outside from this, like, pristine white cast, like, uh, Temple of Time. We go out into the market. 
it's desiccated. Looks Everything is black and lifeless. Oh man. It looks like everybody that's walking around is a corpse. And like Link is freaked out. Like he's an 18 year old in an 11 year old's body. This movie's basically 13 going on 30. Other way around, right? 11 year old and an 18 year old's body. 11 year old and 18 year old's body. Thank you. Okay. So he's freaking out. He goes to the only place he knows, Kokiri. Like he's trying to go home. Okay. And then as he's running right. in, he realizes it's not that's the only place that it hasn't been like totally destroyed and had the life suck out of life sucked out of it. Yet as he returns, he goes inside, he sees that it's totally empty. It's been totally evacuated. There's no one there. And then we go into the forest temple. Okay. And this is when things get a lot quicker. Okay. Wait, okay, wait, quite like he just knows to go into the forest temple. Like like is he just walking through and he's like he just finds the I think forest maybe temple? he and Saria used to play there, right? Well oh yeah, he's basically just like walking through the destroyed like nothing remains. So he's basically okay. just walking through all of the old haunts. What if he and heard then, like the song that Saria used to play? Yeah. I was about to say Exactly. So like the Simon, song you keep pitching the movie before he does it. So she, like the song that she taught him as he was leaving, we hear that it leads us in to the forest temple. And oh also, at this point, this is basically where the movie Oh no 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 sorry. Yes, going to the forest temple. He destroys everything there. He gets the like he sees gets to the sage and he realizes that the sage is Saria. How is he adjusting to like his new adult body? Like, does he have all of his weapons already? Like, like okay, so he has the master sword and he's having to fight creatures as he goes through. But it's definitely like he learned how to hack and slash from an eleven-year-old, and now his like power is just so much. Right. Like he knows how to hack and slash, but like his hack and slash is like sending creatures just like flying. <laughs> okay, and uh, one thing that happens in the forest temple that like is is kind of iconic in the game, but like you know you might not choose to go that route is. You do find the arrows in the forest temple. Does he find the arrows in it? I think right now we're focusing on the sword. Like he just got the master sword. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like I like focusing on the sword. There's also a point where you basically get a sword in the game where you get a sword that's better than the master sword. The bigger on sword. Yeah, like that mm-hmm. like you can cheese so many bosses with that. Yeah, the bigger on sword is cool, but you definitely have to cut that because story wise it Especially if he had a stick in the first half, like, he should definitely be just adjusting to the master. Yeah, I like that. So he gets the stone, like, star, he sees Saria, and then basically Saria, like, transforms into this stone that he will need. Is it a stone? It's been a while since I've uh, revisited the second half of, I was playing through Ocarina of Time today, and I just thought time travels. So the seven sages, I don't think the seven sages in the game turn into anything. I think they just he like activates them or something and they join his side so you release her from like the temple the tree temple link is very sad about this like although she's like technically on his side in like a spiritual way his friend is gone forever as he's leaving like he sees the deku tree like as he's leaving kokiri like he has like, like he has nothing left to do here as he's leaving he sees this sprout that's just like like he no he trips like as he's like running out of there because he's like so sad he trips over a sprout Okay. Like so we meet he does No, he doesn't really even pay any attention. Like he's so oh, okay. sad about it. He's like running across the empty fields because he likes he he lost Sari and you know he want, like, really wants to try and get her back. So he's like running back to the temple of time. He plunges it in. He reverses time. Right. Okay. So he finds out he can he can move through time. 
Yeah, this is basically after the after the forest temple. That's where he learns that he can basically time travel by plunging the sword into the altar or taking it up. So like he goes there, he time travels back, and like now that he's younger, and like we haven't seen the and the world is no longer like destroyed. He runs back to Kokiri and like he thinks he can find Saria, but she's nowhere to be seen. Like he just thinks like, okay, this is over. Like Kokiri is like no longer like really a home for me. Uh-huh. And the sprout is even no longer there. Like, it just feels, like, empty and voidless and, like, the world's being sucked out. Okay. So that he realizes that his journey has to, like, mostly take place in the future. Like, that he can't hide out in Kokiri seven years right. in the past. It's kind of like right. he, can, he can go to the past, but he can't but really change it. He can't change it and he can't really stay there because there's, at this point, there's, like, nothing for him. Like, that's basically what he's realizing in this point is, like, so he goes back, like, he can't, the, like, the only way to, like, get back to his past is that he has to collect all of these sages and, like, restore the old way. Okay. Like, he has gotcha. to totally wipe out all of the illness that is taking over the world. So the future is already what it is. He can just save it. I have a yeah. pitch for that. Okay. Yeah. I have a pitch for that. So... We'll, we will get to this in the pitch, but I think we know that the future can't be set because the future ultimately does get changed. I won't go into how yeah. it gets changed, but the future does get changed. So maybe it can only get changed when like Ganondorf's in, maybe influence is either, or with the full power of the Triforce, maybe the future can be changed. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. So like basically, yeah. So yeah, but he doesn't know that. Yeah, he doesn't know that yet. He doesn't know that yet. Okay, but we'll get into that later. Okay, yeah. I just hate to say it, like, it's a time travel movie, but we're not going to get into it, mm-hmm. get into it with time travel. As like, of right now, Link, Link thinks, like, he can visit the past, but he can't yes. really change it, and it's kind of empty. It doesn't feel, it's like, uh, uh, have either of you guys seen Our Town? No. No. It's, it's, so it's this play, and in the third act, everyone is dead. Basically, it like takes well. It takes place several years later, and several of the characters have died, and they they're basically sitting in a graveyard, and they can visit points previously in their life, um, and like relive them, and they can relive them kind of differently, but no one sort of pays any attention to them, or like pay like they just go on their business like like everything continued as normal. So they they have yeah, okay. kind of they kind of have. They have free agency in the past, but they don't have the ability to affect change in the past. Gotcha. Definitely. Because especially as he's traveling around, like if in the past, like he travels around and he goes to like where Jerunia or Rutu were in the past, like they're not going to be there. He's going to realize even then they have disappeared and are nowhere to be seen. But yes, like he's now realizing like he has to go back to the future. So he plunges the sword back into the altar. He's now back in the future. Sheik is like, oh, so you had to go, like, dip out for a second. I get it. Like, are you ready to adventure now? And he is. So, like, this is now where things lighten up. It's a Navi, Sheik, Link, basically buddy comedy as they're running through these temples. So some montage, maybe, as as we... Maybe some montage, because it's a little repetitive. So we're going through fire. So we already did... So we already did the forest temple. So now we're just like we're just like busting through fire, water. Well, I feel like it's important to talk about the sage. So the sages then are in the fire temple. The sage is Darunia, 
And then yeah, so like we also meet the sages. Yeah, and so oh, he, but they're they're people from his past who are now they're older, right? Like when he meets Rudo in the water temple, she's not an eleven-year-old Zora anymore. She's older, right? No, yeah, like he can tell like they have been like physically transformed because yeah. like also in the future like he returns to these places, like every all the inhabitants are like yeah we haven't seen them for years like we don't know where yeah. they are yeah yeah and he okay. goes into these temples. So the first temple is the Temple of Fire. He conquers that with Navi and Sheik's help. Like in the games, Sheik doesn't like accompany him. Like, I think really it's good often. to have Sheik accompany him. I think that's a strong. Like I think, yeah, we're showing that Sheik is like more of a fighter and more involved with like the group. Especially yeah. because Sheik always shows up in those temples anyway, just like near the just end. Just shows up at all something. the Serious. I think so it just better. makes sense. I think. Well, I think it's for reasons we'll get into later. I think it's great to have Link have a flesh out relationship with Sheik uh, with with whoever Sheik is their identity unknown I think it's good to have that relationship be fleshed out as is mm -hmm. uh, and then, like as we're exploring all of these worlds he's definitely having conversations with Sheik and like he's realizing that like Sheik is like older than like has lived through this experience that he missed and like knows of the old world like what happened yeah and like he yeah, also realizes like yeah oh, like, somebody with this much information would have to be, like, close to the royal family. Mm -hmm. And because it's a badass, somebody close to the royal family, he's like, okay, it's probably Impa. Like, that's that adds up in his head. So they, like, go through the Temple of uh, Fire. They release Darunia. He's a sage. They go through the Water Temple. They release Rutu. And then here's at the point where it's like, if Is we montage... Oh, Rutu is a... Okay, so all the sages, they're, like, basically timeless entities at this point. Like, they're ephemeral. Like, there's nothing that can tie them to the world. Like, they're, like, part deity, part god. She yeah. still wants dick. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Especially Horniness now that it's legal. <laughs> and in her mind, Link is technically her fiancé, right? Exactly. He had, like, he has the stone. He accepted the engagement. Yeah. How does Link feel about all this? Like, is he kind of giddy that he's an adult body? Or is he, like, <laughs> really... Does he feel really awkward in it? Okay, so it's like, that's the... So now we're, like, in the second half of the second act. To yeah. Get, like, super technical with it. Like, he's now... he. This is the transition. Like, he went from, like, hacking and slashing with the sword to now, like, through, like, training with Sheik. That's also how their relationship is growing. Like, we see that he is now, like, learning how to use the sword, learning how to use the shield, like, with the sword. Like, he's learning how to be a warrior. Like, he's learning how to implement everything he is learning throughout this as he's growing, defeating all of these different temples. Right. And then it gets to the point where they're, like, it realizes they have to go and travel to the land of Ganondorf. Like, to continue... Right. Their, yeah. Yeah, to continue yeah. their trip, they have to, like, the sage that will, like, keep this going and like really unlock it they have to travel to uh, is it called gerudo 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 valley okay so he gets to gerudo and he like oh also i think here is also where we find this as he's traveling across the desert with uh navi and Sheik, we see just walking across like the visage like we think it's like almost a mirage we see a horse Okay, he finds. Oh, okay. I was going I was about to ask. Like, are like very, I, 
Okay, just to expand on this, because I know where you're going, but like, what are your thoughts on side quests in this like thing? Like, are are we gonna have any at all when it comes to just like care, like just getting to know the world of Hyrule, or what are your thoughts on that? It is such. It's so dense. I literally, I don't think there's time for it. Like, because I just watched all of the cut. Like as I was saying, I watched all of the cutscenes from Ocarina. It was hour forty five. And like yeah. they're explaining so much. Like I think that the parts like and I think and I think travel through yeah. going to all of these different cities. Like that's how you're seeing Hyrule, mm-hmm. and like you're definitely experiencing people through that. Yeah, right. I I agree with that, and I think I think that's a good decision because I think for the most part, compared to later Zelda entries like Majora's Mask in particular. The side quests in Ocarina of Time are not particularly cinematic. Yeah. The only one... I I can't think of one that sticks out as like, oh, I'd love to see that in a movie, you know? I think the only one that could be considered cinematic is the Epona side quest, only because there is like a time thing there. Like you meet Epona as a pony, you form the bond there, and then like they're a full-grown horse. And like it kind of... Maybe change maybe with you. It's opponent when he's uh, a kid. Like he, maybe he like maybe he stops at Lon Lon Ranch at some point um, and meets Epona. and then and then we do what Kyle said, where like when he's an adult, he sees Epona again in the desert, and he's like, "Wait, I know you," and that they have that connection that way. Maybe. Yeah, I think you could fit that in, like in between. I mean, this is all Kyle's decision. Remember, he is he decides what is canon and I- not. Uh, but like maybe when he does, like this is the first time he's leaving Kokiri Forest. Uh, like when he's a kid, like maybe when he's on the way to Hyrule, he stops there and like gets his first interaction with something that's not just like forest children. Like he meets like people, that. he meets a. Oh, it's just a like an eleven-year-old freaking out at a horse that like he's yeah, horse yeah, is. and like they hit it off, and he's like, "What the fuck is this?" Okay, so like he's traveling across the desert. He sees this horse, realizes it's from his childhood. But he also realizes, like, he's stuck in a desert. Like, they have been dying at this point. Like, they're, like, lost. They don't know where to go. They think he's a mirage. And then they finally find him. He's, like, Epona is dying of thirst, basically. So, like, they end up saving each other's lives in the desert. He Link gives Epona water, and then Epona rides them out of the desert. So okay, we- one more pitch. Sorry, one more pitch, oh, only yeah. because it's my favorite Zelda song is I think when he meets the pony, he has... Malin, Malin, Malin... Malin, Malin from Saria, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, Malin has to teach him a pony's song, only because when he does see the Mirage, like, he, like, he thinks, song, like, is it her? Is it that horse? And that's how, I just, and that's I really, how she responds. Yeah, yeah. I, I, say, I really like that because it works as, like, like, not as, like, taming, but as getting the horse, like, to realize, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So with the horse, they go to Geruda. Garuda. I've always said Gerudo, but I I've think it's really, Gerudo. I am really playing in this way. Okay, so get to Gerudo and like, you know, Link and them have been hyping it up. They're so scared. It's like all women. He doesn't totally understand like how Ganondorf could come from like this place. And then as he's exploring, like he learns that like every one hundred years a man is born. Yeah. They're an all-female race. It's an all-female race, but, like, this century, we got blessed with Ganondorf. And in their, like, religion, they see it as, like, when a, when a male Gerudo is born, 
he's destined to like completely overtake the world. Like he'll be, yeah. he'll rule the world is in their religion. It's and that was Ganondorf for them. It's pretty gross. So like, this is basically where we learn like what is fueling Ganondorf. Like his entire life, he has been told he's going to rule the world. So here we transport into the spirit world, which is the first place that like Sheik cannot travel with Link so far. How, what is its relation to the sacred realm? It's different from the sacred realm? Is it, It's just a world of spirits? No clue. <laughs> I mean, Zelda does have those kind of like, they have a bunch of different realms. Like they have the silent realm in Skyward Sword. They have like, obviously the twilight realm. Like, but I maybe, think we keep maybe in separate. our adaptation, we want to skim down the number of realms there are. Well, I mean, it's, okay, so I, I, did I say, I'm, I probably misspoke and said realm. It's a spirit temple. Totally different. Mm. Mm. We're not going to have any problem with it. But only... No, but like... But maybe it... Maybe, okay, it's, the, it's a spirit temple, but it sort of exists on an alternate plane where maybe, like... It definitely resembles the spirit realm. It has that same, like, ephemeral right. And only... And it's, it's important, maybe, like, Sheik gets into the spirituality of it a little bit when she's explaining it to Link. And it's important that Link does this task by himself. They can't okay. help it. We're looking for a way to get him in there alone, right? Yeah. I like that. Okay. I think all these realms... Getting, I, yes, because we're getting to the second item on my must-have list in this, but I'll let you continue. Okay. So as we're going through the spirit realm, like, this is basically, like, Link is, like, his spiritual low point. Like, he's being, like, just, like, he's seeing, like, his world and what he's basically getting like visions of what could have been mm -hmm. what like his seven years like his growth like his childhood basically like what his what does he see yeah so he sees him in saria <laughs> running around sees him learning how to use a sword sees him in saria adventuring sees him going to the zora's domain with czar with saria and then befriending Ruto. And then you see like a little love triangle as that's like developing. <laughs> and then like as he's going out with like all three of them, you see like they're like splat, like they're on a boat. Then you see like this huge rock crash into it. That's Darunia, but it's not actually a rock. It's Darunia like cannonballing into the water. And like it, like it feels like the whole gang's coming together. Oh. Like it feels like a whole other world. Like you could do a whole separate movie of like all four of them together, just like Scooby doing it up, basically. Maybe we will. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Like if you're doing an alternate universe, like make one where Link is like not depressed. <laughs> the worst. It's a sad game. It's a deeply sad game, and yeah, it like, only gets sadder in the sequel. Yeah. Oh, really? Nothing Jeez. compared to Majora's Mask, yeah. Okay, we'll so get there. As, we'll get there. As he's walking through this, he's getting all of these visions. He sees a literal embodiment of himself. He sees Dark Link, which is basically just yes. the <laughs> spiritual shadow of himself. It the says ultimate no mirror scene. <laughs> Alright, I think this is a really good choice because Dark Link is originally in the Water Temple, but it feels like such a climactic thing. It feels it like should, it should be he later. It should be in the Spirit Temple. It should be later. So yeah. I think that's a really good choice. Yes. Right. So like Dark Link says nothing, but as like Link approaches him, like he comes into combat 
And he starts striking him, starts fighting him. And every time Link hits him, Dark Link will, like, appear somewhere else in the room as, like, a different aged version of Link. Whoa. So, uh, once again, he's seeing, like, the rest of his life and what could be. So now it's, like, old Link, like, what could be, and yada, yada. He strikes him down. And then when Shadow, like, when Dark Link is at its weakest, it appears as young Link. It appears as 11-year-old. Young Dark Link or young, young regular Link? Young Dark Link. Okay. But as, like, you're hitting him, he be, he's, like, he starts out super opaque. Like, you can hardly see Dark Link. But as you're striking him and you're hitting him and, you're like, you're slowly winning, he's becoming more realized and more, like, hum- like almost more human. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So this almost more human 11-year-old Link is still there. It's the only thing stopping you from, like, basically completing this temple. He's still trying to, like, destroy you, still trying to kill you. So you, as adult Link, must strike down like your younger age self to continue the mission. Okay. And to do that, that basically just destroy. Like Link has been like seeing all of these visions, and to like truly kill his childhood just emotionally breaks him. Yeah. Okay. I see some thematic through lines in this. I like it. Oh yeah. Can oh, I? Yeah. Can I pitch something? Yes. Love it. Okay. So. I, I I really like the stuff when when they get to Gerudo Valley and and that's when we learn because essentially I mean when you look at Ocarina of Time in the context of the previous Zelda games that had come beforehand, uh, it was basically a Ganondorf origin story. It was it was when you look at like what purpose it was serving in the larger Zelda canon, it was like this is how Ganondorf got and Ganon got his start. So I feel like I, I, I love the stuff in, in the Guru Valley that sort of gets us to, uh, that gives us Ganondorf's origin. I have one pitch though, which is what if, so, so Link is not Kokiri and he ended up in, he ended up in the Kokiri forest because um, prior to, uh, prior to Ocarina of Time, about 10 years beforehand, there was a Hyrulean civil war, uh, which was started by, yeah, so this is deep. This is deep Zelda. <laughs> you're going into deep. You're going to like books, my man. <laughs> yeah, no, this is Zelda lore. But um, there was a Hyrulean civil war ten years before Ocarina of Time, where uh, basically it's unclear why it started, but it's it's clear that it was Ganondorf versus Hy- the rest of Hyrule, and it basically ends with Hi- uh, Ganondorf taking a knee to the king of Hyrule and Gerudo uh, Desert is folded back into the kingdom of Hyrule. Um, But what if, so what if we find out that, that Link's mother who before she died is drops Link off in Kokiri forest to be protected. What if we find out that she is killed by Ganondorf and that ties Link and that ties Link's and Ganondorf's fate together from the very beginning and that's what sort of pushes Link into his darkest spiritual place be- right before he goes into the spirit temple is he finds out Ganondorf, Ganondorf killed my parents. Ganondorf stranded me in Kokiri Forest with people who are not like me, with, where I don't belong. And, and, and I think that, I, I, th- I think like the Ganondorf origin stuff is great. I think all that it needs is something that ties his fate to Link yeah. beforehand. Uh, yeah, that's my pitch. I like that. Okay. 
Uh, just one other question, just because we're about to we're about to finish the Spirit Temple, but if we're in Gerudo Valley, we're probably I don't know if you made a decision on this or not, but we're probably going to meet Niboru, uh, who is one of the seven sages, if I recall. She is a Gerudo. I, I'm just wondering if we have anything. Uh, She's a Gerudo, on or a Gerudo on Link's side. She's a Gerudo on Link's side. She yeah. is, uh, I think, the leader of the Gerudos when Ganon isn't there. Uh, but I could be wrong about that. Yeah, so basically, when he gets to Gerudo, like, the women are pretty hostile to him. Like, he thinks it's, it, he thinks it's because he's a man. Like, he thinks that's why he's not accepted. It's before and as he's learning the history, he learns that, like, it's like, no, they just, like, despise him for, like, what he stands for and, like, what he could become. Followers of Ganondorf, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, okay. then when he goes into the Sage Temple, he's, like, expecting for, like, the Sage. Like, he's at his emotional low point. And he's expecting, like, he's going to the sage, and he's just expecting to get beaten down even more. But, like, the Gerudo is, like, pretty nice to him. Okay. What if, what if Nab- Naburu is actually... So, in, in the game, you f- in, I think in the Spirit Temple, you fight Kaume and Kotake, who are... Their the witches. Gan- they're witches, but they're Ganondorf surrogate mothers from when he was a boy. Um... And I feel like I feel like you gotta have them in there. And what if Naburu is related to them somehow, just to just to tie her into it, just just to make her because otherwise we because she's the only sage that Link didn't meet as a child. So I think it's important to tie her in story wise somehow. guys I, I, wait i got a pitch all right so if sheik is with us like before i know she's not going in the spirit temple but if she's in the gerudo valley with us maybe it'd be good so if if the gerudo warrior warriors aren't going to listen to men like maybe they'll listen to sheik like maybe sheik convinces something out of him that like link is that link is the real hero it's not ganondorf it's actually link and maybe uh like that convinces naboru and naboru's on their side and so then when we get to the witches and um the spirit temple naboru actually comes and helps link oh i like that yeah that sounds good to me okay All right. so defeat the witches but link is still like emotional low point like he's like okay, this mission's great, but I just stabbed 11-year-old me in the face. Okay, right. Doesn't feel great about it. But then, like, so now that he has, like, all, like, out now that he's out of the spiritual realm, Sheik is like, now it is time for me to reveal to you, hey, I'm Zelda. What? What? Nobody saw that coming. What? So, what? 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 So crazy, man. Zelda? No way, man. Okay, but here's the thing. 60% of the audience is actually going to be surprised by this. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Kids like like I'm gonna bring my parents to see this. They're gonna be shocked. <laughs> my my parents are listening to this podcast right now. I bet you, and they had no idea Sheik was Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> like, I haven't heard about Zelda in a while. What's she up to? <laughs> this woke my parents up upstairs, and now they can't go back to sleep. They're so shocked. Right. So, so Zelda's the last seven years of war have turned Zelda into a badass. She's she's been chic and hiding, and she and, doesn't want to. Even... Yeah. And why is she hiding? Because from Ganondorf. Why is she hiding? She's hiding from Ganondorf. Okay. Yeah. And then this he is also cool. as they're traveling back to Hyrule. Uh, back to the castle, like back to like that main area. She's telling him that when Ganondorf tried to take the Triforce up in the spiritual realm, he actually split it into three, and that he only was able to truly like contain and like enforce the Triforce of power inside of himself. One third of the Triforce. He only got one third. Yeah, two thirds being the Triforce of cor- courage and Triforce of wisdom. For those not up to speak. Exactly. So the Triforce of courage split off and went into Link. But he doesn't know it yet. No, that's what Zelda's telling Oh, Zelda's telling him this now. Okay, okay. Okay, she's giving him all the deeds. Okay. And then the Triforce of Wisdom went into her. Can I just plant one thing? Only if we're... um, Okay, if if up to this point he's been believing that Sheik is Impa, I think it's important to note, maybe like right before the Spirit Temple, if because Impa is the Sage of the Shadow Temple... Yes. Um, That's right. If you do go that route where he does do the Shadow Temple, like maybe there is that moment where, like, Impa, wait, I thought, I thought, like, Sheik, like, like, just like plant that. So then, then we're all like, then who the fuck is Sheik? And then we can maybe, maybe the Shadow Temple and the Spirit Temple, like, maybe those sages share the same temple. Like, maybe he awakens both of those sages in the Spirit Temple. You can consolidate those two, maybe, if you want. Just an idea. I don't know. Because you're right. The Shadow Temple's way out of out of their way at this point. And it does feel like we're kind of on a, story-wise, yeah. we're kind of on a one-way course towards the final battle at this point. Okay, so then as they're traveling, Ganondorf swoops out of nowhere. And then, like, Link, now an adult, he thinks he can take him on, but he really can't. Like, he doesn't fully believe in himself at this moment. Like, he's still traumatized, and he can't do it. Okay. So Ganondorf defeats him, he steals the princess, and he's off. Like, we, Link is too weak. He thinks he can't do it. He can't defeat Ganondorf. Like, he thinks he can't save the future at this point. So he returns to the Temple of Time, sad, depressed, unable to continue, and he plunges the Master Sword back into the altar. And he just time travels back to the past, and he just sits in the room for a long moment as an 11 right? He's a kid again. Okay. And it's the most depressed you've ever seen an 11-year-old. He's just had his ice cream stolen from him, his lollipop knocked on the ground. It's it's horrible. Really, he's sad the whole time. Yeah, but, like, this is the worst for him. Like, Like, he doesn't even have a mission at this point. Zelda's gone. He's useless. Even as an adult, he couldn't beat Ganondorf. Like, nothing's changed. As he's sitting there, he hears screams. Then he goes outside... And once he's outside, we finally see Ganondorf taking over the Hyrule Castle. In the past. In the past. Okay. So, like, we have seen, like, in the future how, like, black and desiccated and miserable and horrible the world will turn. Like, the sun basically isn't shining. Yeah. And, like, 
but back in the press and in the past like things mo like as we're there like they're mostly the same at this point this is where we see the transition basically like this is where we see the sun darken ganondorf's power taking over the world like even the past isn't safe for him anymore that's a strong yeah. that's a strong so that that's a strong change to the game because the game doesn't have that part but that's such a great set piece is watching how i feel like watching how the world got that way at the end especially because um i think i remember when i was really stressed out by the stakes of the game when i was playing it i'll be like oh i'll just be a kid again it'll be fine <laughs> i wouldn't have to worry about it yeah it, it robs being a kid from him that's a good point that's a good yeah point. so i think that adds a ton of stakes to the story so like he sees ganondorf taking over the, like the town i mean the city the castle whatever and he as an 11 year old he's trying to rally the troops and fight back but people are just telling him he's a kid. He needs to grow up, like, face the truth. Like, the world's over. Like, this is the end. Okay. And then, like, as the citizens flee and, like, the castle is taken by Ganondorf and, like, the world is crumbling around him, we just see 11-year-old Link, like, just run through the fire and flames, through the hellscape, through the blades, through just, like, everything crumbling around him. And he runs right past Ganondorf himself who's just like deriding him for being so young and so hopeless. And he makes it into the Temple of Time, avoiding his attacks, and he pulls the sword. And he like is transported back into the future as an 18-year-old, and he realizes here and now he needs to go face Ganondorf as an adult. So he goes to Ganondorf's uh, castle, and with the help of the sages, he crosses this like spiritual bridge to get there all right they help him lower all of these walls he sees all of his friends for one last time they empower him along the way he sees area uh, he's uh, reminded of, like childhood <laughs> friendship uh, he's darunia he's like reminded of this brotherhood he had he sees rudu he's reminded of love and like what could have been and then he sees okay. Garudu. He sees, like, the power to unite the world again. And there, he finally makes it there. Nabora. Again, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, it was bugging me. Okay, keep going. I, I have said that probably way too many times. So, yeah, he gets there. He gets to Ganon. He basically, like, releases Zelda along the way as he's fighting Ganondorf. And then we realize that Zelda, she's the badass still. She's still chic. Like, she can still fight. So she pulls out the light arrows herself, and she starts firing them. Oh, which, are like, the, the light arrows are, like, this mythical, like, basically, like, they're better than arrows. They can kill gods. Right. Okay. <laughs> and does she, get, does she get them from, like, her, like, Triforce of Wisdom she has in her? Like, how does she? Yeah, like, at, at this point, it gets very spiritual. Okay. I'm like, cool with that. <laughs> they're basically, like, calling upon, like, the powers within them, like, by harnessing the Triforces, like, they're part of this, like, world that we don't understand. That makes sense. That's as much as the games explain, so that's that's <laughs> cool with me. So she's pulling out arrows, and, like, they think they've defeated Ganondorf. He's, like, basically exploding as a human being. The castle's, like, crumbling around them. They hardly escape. They realize, like, rum like, coming out of the rubble, this dark being that's called Ganon your power of the Triforce embodied in, like, dark and evilness. Right. Like, it's basically, right. yeah. 
It's Ganondorf, it like, Ganondorf at all. Turned into, like, a massive, like, part boar, part bear, part pig. It's yes. like, yeah. It's the ultimate embodiment of evil. And then Link, opposite of him, is realizing the ultimate, like, symbol of courage. He looks down, like, the Master Sword is basically glowing. There's this, like, hidden power inside of it. And, like, he is fully embodying, like, his adventure, what it means to be courageous. And, like, with this, like, you see, again, like, the sages surrounding him, like, as he's charging again. And, like, they're part of, like, the charge. Like, he strikes him with the glowing hidden like the hidden power inside the master sword and ganon goes down and with the power of the sages they seal him away forever wow boom boom but then as he defeats him ganondorf is crumpled we look around yeah hit me with some then i'm wet the world is still horrible the sun still isn't shining the world is just rubbles there's nothing to see nothing to do it's darkness so he travels back again to when he was an 11 year old this time with the triforce and this time with the triforce uh-huh. with the power to change the past he goes back and there in the temple as he's like about to go and see zelda and like change the world again for the best So Navi turns to Link and says, hey, listen, you've completed your journey. You are what you have set out to be. I no longer need to help you with growing up. You are what you are destined to be already as an 11 year old. I can no longer help you. Navi floats away into the sky and we no longer see her again. And here's like, like deep down where we realize like uh, Link was only able to go back to Kokiri Forest because he had the fairy. That's the only reason they allowed him admittance. Without the fairy, he can no longer go back home. He is a 11 year old stranded in a world that he doesn't know. He only knew this black darkness, this full living world he doesn't truly understand. He goes out, he talks to Zelda, he basically stops Ganondorf, but looking around him, he sees a world he doesn't know or understand, and he just goes right. out into the Hyrulean wow. fields, looking adventure, looking to help somebody, looking he's, to fulfill he's gone in the past. some sort of he's, destiny. He's basically warned Zelda and the King of Hyrule that that Ganondorf's up to shit. Yeah, and they and he's got the proof to show. He's got the Triforce there with him. Exactly. He's an 11-year-old uh, who's completed his mission. Right, and so he's they're, they're able to stop the whole invasion from ever happening, but he can't go home. He's got a... And then, he's like a lone gunslinger now in the... Exactly. Field. As he's walking into the distance, he hears a voice. One we haven't heard yet. He comes out and he says, this is the voice, and he says, I'm going to join you. I'm part of the adventure. We look over, and who do we see? Bagu! Oh my god! Don't do this to the cannon! Oh my this god. This part of the cannon! Oh, Kyle. <laughs> it was really gonna be the perfect setup up. for Majora's Mask, but now Bagu's there. Kyle, you really fucked things up for us. Now, since this is the first episode, oh god, Bagu, is a vi- vi- Bagu is a vital 
and very gay, very loving part of this universe. He's gonna have to be in Majora's Mask now. It's my favorite oh game. Oh my now, god. Now, my my stench, the stench of my original character is gonna have to be all over Majora's Mask in this universe. I will <laughs> never forgive you, Kyle, for what you just Bagu's here forever. Oh. Normally now, we would head into a section that we'll call continuity approaching. <laughs> However, uh, given that this is our first episode, there's not really much continuity to, to uh, tie Kyle's pitch to. He kind of got free reign and was able to do anything he wanted. Um, but we are going to take this opportunity to briefly discuss what this segment will look like in the future. Yes. So it is very fitting that we are starting with Zelda because Zelda is notorious for the games are out of order uh, when it comes to the actual timeline. So I think around like five to like seven years ago, Zelda, uh, Nintendo released an official Zelda timeline. And basically it is a mess. Games all are all over the place. There are some things where like, if this happens in Ocarina of Time, this timeline happens. Like there's split timelines. It's crazy. And basically we're kind of doing a similar thing with this series where um, some episodes might be set in the future and some might be set like in the past. And basically as uh, we record more episodes, we're going to be like figuring out where they are in the timeline. There will be like an actual physical map that we'll draw out that like shows like where everything is um, just to help we'll you have guys that posted track. on our website and on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, that Pete's basically got you guys the, the gist of it. Um, this, you know, for all we know, this might not be the first Zelda movie that we get. You know, it's the first one we've been pitched, but we might put a Zelda movie before this one, even uh, chronologically. So we can kind of place around anything wherever, uh, depending on what we think works best for the story. Uh, we will. We are ultimately entering this with the goal of building to Super Smash Brothers, a Super Smash Brothers movie or miniseries or however we're going to do it. But it, it, we are a, a, a Super Smash Brothers event thing um, is what yes. we're building towards. So, like in the original Smash Brothers, there's twelve characters, right? And so, representing. 10 different franchises yeah. yes even if we're like doing like maybe a pikmin movie next or like whatever when we do when all 10 of those franchises are eventually pitched then we'll have enough for an official smash brothers you know movie we'll do at least big, for the first one we'll do a big reunion episode where we have a bunch of previous uh writers and comedians on from previous episodes that featured characters who will be showing up in super smash brothers together we'll sit down and we'll we'll beat out what that project will look like so yeah. kyle we hope that you'll be able to to join us for that as you'll be able to be the voice for for link and his friends um in those in that eventual episode yes there is some stuff you'll have to address for example there is young link and link 
in Smash Brothers Melee. So how does that work? How are both of them pulled into that universe at the same time? That is something you'll have to figure out. Okay, so there's a lot of big questions, a lot of franchises to take on. I'm just asking that, like, after you're done with, like, Phase 4, you've had your big, you know, universe-changing, meet em up beat em up I want the Bagu standalone. Well, that's the, that's the joy of the system we've just introduced, Kyle, in that the, whoever comes on, like, next week, they could, they could pitch Bagu standalone if they wanted to. It can come in any order. <laughs> we might have to set a few more rules. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. There are certainly rules behind the scenes that, uh, yeah, definitely. But as of right now, Bagu is canon, and he will be in more. Yeah, unfortunately, Bagu is canon. I think I think what we're going to have to do, Pete, I think is at some point, we'll have to do like a, 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 a big like get out the vote or charity event where we do like a live reading of that, that script that I did. I think that's a great idea. <laughs> if now that now that I know Bagu is canon and I, I think unfortunately my Zelda script might be canonized. So that I think concludes our, our, our first episode. Yeah. Um, thank you for joining us on that journey. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you, a- Kyle. We really appreciated you being our inaugural guest and, and oh, thank you. doing thank such you. a great job. Yeah. Hope you had fun. I did actually. I was like a little nervous at first and I was like, no, this is my movie. We're making this. Thank you so much for listening. We couldn't have done this without these awesome remixes and original arrangements by some incredible musicians. So here are their credits so you can check out their work. The Super Smash Bros. menu theme came from Lo-Fi Leah. We have the Super Smash Bros. Brawl Trap remix by Casey Loom. Break the Targets came from Austin X Gaming. Zelda's Lullaby by Eric C. The Piano Man. Inside the Deku Tree from Tetsugaku. The market theme played on all ancient instruments by M. Boltu. An orchestral cover of the Sheik theme by Clefer Notes. All the ocarina playing came from an ocarina tutorial channel called Ocarina Playa. The Goron City Trap remix came from Saint Polit. The middle boss battle arrangement came from Noble Demon. Zora's Domain from Sydney Kedjistan. Battle theme by Diego Leal E. Ganon's Tower by Ula Olson. Temple of Time, Rebecca E. Tripp. Sorry as Wish by Chaos Dragon 004. Zelda 2 Palace Theme Remix by Pascal Michael Steepfield. Goes by Plasma 3 Music on YouTube. Gerudo Valley by Frank Van Tende from Diggy Disc Productions. Song of Storms 2 by Lily Pichu. The Legend of Zelda Main Theme by FF Music Production. Ganon Battle by Lord Siravan. Great Fairy Fountain by Austin Ruff. Title theme by Chance Martin of Chansu Music. And Lon Lon Ranch by Josh Lasota. Thank you so much to these artists. You can find them on YouTube, Newgrounds, and Patreon, and Twitch, and a bunch of other stuff. Just Google their name. They'll come up. Um, and, yeah, thanks for listening. Catch you next week. <laughs>